another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, January 1st. Happy New Year, everyone. Welcome to 2024. This will now be the fourth year of podcast existence Mm -hmm. for us as we ring in the new year. And I am joined, as I always am, by my neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Happy New Year to you as well. this New Year's Eve, I passed out at like 10, 30, 11 after not leaving the house all day. By far the least I've ever invested, attempted or anything to do anything New Year's Eve. And because of that, by far not the worst New Year's Eve I've had. How'd your night go? Oh, yeah. Uh, New Year's is never a holiday I've been super gung ho about, but I, I did stay up this year. Hmm. Um, I feel a little bit currently like. I believe you felt when we saw in person each other in person <laughs> last week. Uh, it's been a long day so far, mostly because of how late I ended up staying up, like probably around three thirty, which is is new for me. Um, Are we like look- switching personalities or something here? Oh goodness, no! The, that will be the latest. I might be up <laughs> the entire year, so we'll we'll see how it goes. But uh, yeah, recovering from that getting ready to start up work again tomorrow with the holidays Mm. finishing up a bit of the the monday scaries if you will and uh yeah looking forward to talk some sports because plenty has happened over the holidays uh when we haven't chatted yeah um some trades to get to regular season check-ins the tennis calendar is back underway which i'm super happy about Um, But first up, the NFL last weeks of the regular season. Is this week 17 that just finished? 16? Would have been the last week of the NFL regular season three years ago. Uh, Now with the new week 18 added, this is the second last week of the season, but it is the fantasy championships in Mm -hmm. 95% of leagues. If you have your fantasy championship in the last week of the NFL season, what are you doing? It's just... It's it's a terrible decision to make yeah. with injuries and games not mattering and people sitting out. So, uh, yeah, big week in fantasy world for the NFL and a big week for a lot of teams trying to lock up playoff spots or clinch certain seeds uh, as we look ahead towards the NFL playoffs. And one of the teams that did it right off the top here, jumping into it, the Cleveland Browns, whose mm. head coach, Kevin Stefanski, uh, is definitely the front runner for coach of the year. They have had significant injuries to their top two running backs, to their offensive line, to Sean Watson, the quarterback. And they have now run through a gauntlet of injuries to now be in a position where I believe now they're 11 and five. Wow. Was it 10 and six? I'm going to need a fact check there at the end, but it, in any event, they've clinched the playoff spot, defeating the New York Jets, and they've done it on the back of an incredible defense, one of the best we've seen in the past century, and a vintage revitalized performance of one Joe Flacco, who is the fifth oldest player in the league at 38 or 39, and has just gone back into his gunslinging mojo and kevin stefanski has set up the play calling in the offense to fit around joe flacco's strengths and he shocked all of us because there were three years there where he couldn't find a job in the league 
And now he's back and producing at such a high level, climbing the ranks in terms of betting odds for comeback player of the year. But it's an awesome story to see, especially as a guy who won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. It's really weird now to be seeing Browns fans cheering for him. Uh, and, and they it's were just 11 and five, by the way. Yeah. Okay. Nice. First thing to think. Oh, we just trust that it's, it's a fantastic story. And it's a big shout out to the Cleveland Browns who have been able to keep things afloat this season. And if you are Jacksonville, if you are Kansas City, if you are Buffalo, Miami, whoever ends up kind of with those two, three, four seeds, you don't want to see this team in the first round with their defense and, and the havoc it can wreck. So, yeah, going to be really excited to see the first round of the playoffs wherever Cleveland ends up traveling to. And they've got it clinched now. So week 18, I don't know if they have a buy or what the game doesn't matter. Like they'll be a little better from injuries or. Yeah, I, I think they have the five seed locked up. So oh, they, so they might still you. push for it. There's no higher seed they can gain because they're not going to win the division. Yeah. Uh, and so the yeah, highest they can finish is fifth. So I likely won't see them do too much next week and try and rest up, especially with their injury luck, as I mentioned. Um, and the reason that they are in this position is because the Baltimore Ravens, along with the San Francisco 49ers, have now both locked up the one seed in their respective conferences. The Niners taking care of business uh, against the Washington Commanders and the Baltimore Ravens have a dominant display. Miami was the two seed in the AFC. Miami a little bit banged up, but Baltimore has consistently risen to the occasion now the entire season. Big wins against Detroit and Seattle early in the year. And now statement wins against Jacksonville, against San Francisco, and now against Miami as they obliterate them. 56 to 19, Lamar Jackson cementing himself as potentially here his second MVP of his career. He's still only 26, really young compared to some of these rookie quarterbacks in the league who are 24, 25. So, Lamar Jackson, phenomenal performance. I think it was 18 for 21 with five touchdowns, over 300 passing yards, just clinical. And the Ravens are the team to beat right now in the NFL, heading into the playoffs with the one seed with the first round bye. They get to rest even a little bit next week. We'll see what they do. Uh, probably play maybe a half just to, to keep the, the rust off because they'll have two weeks off here preparing for their home playoff game in, in the divisional round. But a, a massive win for both teams uh, to get a couple of weeks off here to rest. And, and yeah, we could very well be seeing that matchup in the Super Bowl this year. Continuing along, the Bills get a semi-shaky win over the New England Patriots, who are in the thick of the second overall pick hunt. Uh, but the Bills managed to wrap things up there. And now with Miami getting blown up against Baltimore, uh, it sets up a really exciting Sunday night game next week between Buffalo and Miami in Miami. And the winner of that will win the AFC East and potentially could have the two seed. And then on the other side of things, if the Bills end up losing this game and the Steelers win, and I think one other thing needs to happen, they could actually fall right out of the playoffs. So wow. massive implications for Buffalo next week will be a really exciting game. Moving on here, Chicago Bears. I had to give them a shout-out because they get another win today against the Atlanta Falcons. And I believe that 
puts them up to six and 10 on the season. We'll need you to fact check me on that one as well. Uh, but even with the win, because they are the owners of the Carolina Panthers pick and with Carolina's loss to Jacksonville, they are going to be picking first overall in this year's NFL draft and have a very significant decision to make whether to stick with Justin Fields, who's looked pretty good the last couple of weeks, or do you spend that number one pick on a Caleb Williams or a Drake May? Seven so, and nine for the Bears. Oh my gosh, I thought they were better than that. Huh. You, you thought they were six and ten. Oh no, yeah. Oh wow, what a season. So they were better I mean, than if, you if thought. You're, yeah, if you're a Chicago fan, you got to start to have a little bit of hope here. Seven and nine for the way that this team looked at the start of the season is incredible progress and adding either a number one overall talent or if they trade down and get a couple picks and, and bolster their team, it, it could be a formidable team as early as next year. So a uh, big day, big win and morale boost for Chicago um, as they look to things to turn things around there with their franchise. And then their rivals, the Green Bay Packers, they'll get to play them next week and uh, with the opportunity to play spoiler as Green Bay wins uh, and, and the Rams win. So Rams clinching a wild card spot and the Packers in the driver's seat. If they win next week, they they get the final wild card spot in the NFC. So a the big Bears game would uh, tie them if they beat them. They'd both be eight and nine. I don't know if the Packers have a tie break advantage or something, but I yeah, I don't know. It wouldn't matter though, because neither of them would make the playoffs with that record. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And then uh, finishing up here, Kansas City Chiefs get the job done against Jake Browning in the Bengals. Looked a little bit iffy to start. Still not confident in their ability to uh, dominate teams, but they sneak out another win, uh, and, and they look to be locked into the three seed. Uh, and, and if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan, I mean, you're accustomed to winning. So with that high level of expectation, you're probably actually feeling more nervous than any other year just with how things have gone so far. Uh, but there's not really any other juggernauts in the AFC besides Baltimore. So if you can avoid playing them to the AFC championship game, you'll be happy with that. And, and they've managed to do that. They'll have a home playoff game in Arrowhead uh, and, and an opportunity to have two more weeks to kind of tweak things and, and make sure they're up and running for the playoffs. Last game here to talk about the Dallas Cowboys squeak out a one point win against the Detroit Lions. They score late and then play really soft defense to allow Detroit to come all the way down the field. Detroit gets a touchdown late, and Dan Campbell, who was being aggressive all game, goes for two, and they get a touchdown to the tack or the two point conversion goes to one of their tackles. On review, refs throw a flag. The tackle did not report eligible. There's a ton of controversy and video circulating the internet showing him having reported to a referee. Um, I don't know if anything else is ever going to come of that, but poor Lions fans just finding new ways to lose every week. Uh, they replay the two-point conversion, don't convert, and the Cowboys squeak out with the win, and now with a shocking and embarrassing loss by the Eagles late to the Cardinals, Kyler Murray with some magic. The Cowboys now sit in the two-seed, and with a win next week can clinch the NFC East, which no one really expected. Uh, and yeah, so big loss for the Eagles. They're in a lot of trouble there. They'll be locked into the five seed and have to head to either Tampa Bay or New Orleans, which is a winnable game. But it's a massive swing of, of events for the Cowboys as they are 
the immensely better team at home versus on the road. And the fact that they now are in position to get a not just one, but potentially two home playoff games uh, if, if they win the first round, it sets them up in a great spot to really try and contend for an NFC championship game. And so as uh, much to the chagrin of football fans everywhere, Cowboys uh, get a big uh-huh. momentum booster. <laughs> all right. Next week, key games to circle. Pretty much all of them have playoff implications. The only three that really stood out to me is not mattering so much. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs Chargers game, neither really playing for any movement there. The Jets and Patriots, that is the tank game. Who is going to play worse? The Patriots have a shot at the second overall pick. And then the Los Angeles Rams 49ers are both locked into their spots, I believe. I think the Rams can drop the seventh. Uh, but if they do some game watching, you might see them start to sit people in the second half. But Niners have nothing to play for. So we could see a contested game in the first half with starters playing and then both teams sit everyone in the second half. Okay, I had to shout out the last two weeks of fantasy players because we didn't get, get covered over the holidays, but I was in the toilet bowl, as we call it in my fantasy league, playing for not last. And thanks to a historic performance from Amari Cooper, setting the franchise record for receiving yards in a single game by a Cleveland Brown, I get a much-needed 50 points and a much-needed win to avoid our league's punishment, which is essentially just putting more money into the fantasy winnings pot. I <laughs> can't afford that right now, so thank Ish. you, Amari. And then in the finals this week, if you had Lamar Jackson, Kyron Williams, or C.D. Lamb, you were in a great position to win. And what a performance from all three of those guys. Shout out to anyone who won their fantasy league. You got bragging rights now for the next seven months. It's a heck of a feeling. I almost had it last year before the Hamlin incident. So um, yeah, congrats to anyone who won their fantasy leagues out there. And that is going to do it for Football Fan Cave this week. All right. With 2024 upon us, the tennis season has started back up. And for a week that is mostly just 250 events, uh, no Masters, just a 1-500 level event. There's a lot of top name players here as we're in our oceanic swing for the most part. Uh, and with all these top name players, there's so much to set up to overanalyze. Um, just for data to talk about when we get to the Australian Open, a lot of these top players will probably be playing this week and then taking it easy the next week. So this might be the only data we get to collect before the Australian Open. Uh, Starting both on the men's and women's side, the United Cup is currently going on. The only international tennis event that showcases both men and women playing. Uh, The world number ones, both men's and women's representing their country. First off, Iga Swiatek. Uh, leading the Poland team, which is probably the most stacked because Hubert Hurkacz is also playing. Uh, They have finished their group and clean out, uh, taking all three matches against Brazil and going 2-1 to against Spain. With a 5-1 to match record, they have already moved on to the quarterfinals. I think the tightest group of the tournament was probably between the UK, the US, and Australia. Not quite Commonwealth, um, more popular. Actually, I don't know. It's more people, Canada or Australia. They've probably got better international tennis overall right now, to be honest, though. 
Uh, anyway, one to one to one, um, some great play all around. A lot of really high level rallies, uh, like Taylor Fritz, Al- Taylor Fritz, Alex Dumanor, Jessica Pigula, Katie Bolter has a really big moment beating Pigula. Um, lots, a lot of fun there. Novak Djokovic, the other world number one representing his country. Uh, seems like he's there to have fun and warm up his body a little. He helps lead Serbia to a win over China. They'll play Czechia today, probably by the time this podcast goes up. They look in good standing to advance. And then I know I haven't talked about every t- team that's competing, but we'll just wrap up talking Team Canada quickly. Leila Annie Fernandez and Felix Oje Aliasim leading the Red and Whites. Uh, Felix doesn't play. Canada takes the win 2-1 to one over Chile. Chile will play Greece, and then Canada will play Greece. Uh, Greece featuring Stefano Tsitsipas and Maria Sakari. So I think the only, them and Poland, the only countries with players ranked in the top 10, both men and women's. Uh, so that should be interesting, but Canada with a decent shot to move on as well. Okay, on to the single level players. The biggest news of the month in a while for Tenazo, Rafael Nadal is back. Uh, after almost an entire year re- rehabilitating from injury, he is competing as a wild card in the Brisbane 250. And of course, he ends up facing Dominic Team in the first round. That match will play out overnight for us so by the time this podcast goes up i think another week we'll talk a little more extensively about the rehab um it's a long way back he is a clay court player the olympics are happening in paris on the clay this year so everyone assuming the goal will be to build and peak um for that april to july april to august window um if Rafa has the discipline to not just haul his body over the coals for every point for the next three months. So how he does in this 250 level event, um, going to be interesting for sure. And we'll definitely talk about it next week once we see what he puts in. Um, but don't want to make too much out of it. However, it goes victorious or not for him. Uh, Holger Rune and Gregor Dimitrov, the two top seeds in that tournament. I can't remember which half Rafa is on. I think it's the bottom with Dimitrov. Um, Ben Shelton, the three seed, is already out in the first round, so not a great start for the kid. Um, And Hugo uh, Dimitrov had a nice win over Andy Murray, so he started off the year well. Um, I think I shouted him out on the last tennis pod of the year, but that a player I have my eye on. Uh, he did a really fantastic job holding against players below him. The eyes this year, can he start like raising his level in those big matches a little? Uh, also got a 250 level event going on in Hong Kong. Andre Rublev, the only player I tapped in my head, but Djokovic... Nadal, wherever you want to put him, uh, Pass, Zverev, uh, Rune, Rublev, all top 10 players competing, whereas it seems Medvedev, Alcaraz uh, holding off a little longer before they get into it. 
Then on the women's side, the Brisbane 500, or excuse me, the Brisbane event is a 500 level event. So Arnia Sabalenka and Alina Rybakina, uh, both competing in that, two of the top three players in the world. Uh, so I think like all top five of the women's side are playing this week. And there's another big comeback up happening in brisbane on the women's side as well as the men's naomi osaka is back from her year of maternal leave i don't know if that's what you call it for athletes um a little different anyway she's back she's won her first match i feel like we're at this point in the women's side where there's a lot of talent and the consistency a little more questionable so this first month of 2024 looking to see who can play their best tennis and then maybe we see whose best tennis is good enough to beat whose if we can get multiple players peaking at the same time coco goff uh, competing in a auckland event i believe where she has a pretty good uh elena svitolina the next highest ranked player there so yeah that's all the stuff we're going to be checking in to next week glad to have tennis back and looking forward to seeing what happens amongst all that. Awesome. Well, there's an update from each of our respective individual sports. I think we can get a little bit more collaborative here as we jump into basketball storylines. And Max, mm -hmm. after 25 games, number of weeks, John Morant back just here before the holidays and came back with a bang uh, yes no intent there in the <laughs> phrasing uh, or no second. with the grizzlies Shit. and averaging 25 5 and 8 uh in his splits now in the first six games he's played the grizzlies started 4-0 they're now 4-2 after two losses to the clippers three. and kings 4-3 now three losses they lost to the nets as well or excuse me the um nuggets they did yeah why is that not showing up in recent games okay four and three then for the grizzlies so, since his return very streaky i mean four wins against teams they should be beating and then three losses against teams they're supposed to be competitive against um but the kings and nuggets loss Pretty big blowouts and those pelicans wins both by the skin of their teeth it looks like they have another easy stretch coming up um so aside from just expecting them to win like the spurs the raptors those should be easy wins i'd pick them against the lakers then they go play the clippers the mavericks uh the knicks are up there as well so that'll be a little more interesting i especially have my eyes on that suns game very interesting, though, the games that they did lose, like you said, stronger opponents, but also opponents that have incredibly offensive, efficient players, right? Uh, the story of the Grizzlies season has not only been the absence of your superstar that's going to make any team instantly that much better when you add him back. It's not really a surprise that they've come out of the gates stronger than what they were before the injury or the suspension. Uh, but 
the issue that is going to plague them this season and plague them last year was the lack of Steven Adams and having to sometimes run Triple J at center or trying to figure out that solution because they're outsized and they're getting outscored. They just can't run and gun like they used to in their early years of, of competitiveness. This is a team that kind of started to lean towards the grit and grind nature of, of their culture and what they were founded on a decade ago uh, when they were having their deep playoff runs. Uh, this is a team that just can't right now hang with the likes of a Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, and not saying many teams can. But then you're running into Kawhi Leonard, James Harden, Paul George, right? And then you're running into De'Aaron Fox and the Sacramento Kings offense, which I believe is the best offensive rating in the history of the NBA in terms of the, the points per game and, and all of those metrics. So when they go up against efficient offenses, like most teams, they're going to struggle, but it feels like they have the additional punch in the gut, not being able to match size and, and skill with some of these teams and, and not being able to play up to the same pace. So John Morant, obviously a welcome addition, but they are deep in the hole here, uh, sitting at 10 and 22 eight and a half games back of Dallas for the division lead. A very winnable division, actually, still for them. Eight and a half games, not terrible based on the start that they've had, but they need to turn things around in short order here. They're actually 14th in the league in opponent point per game and dead last in the league in points per game. So you do expect Jaw to help with that, yeah. but you're right. The hole they're in is 500-level basketball, like, beat the easy teams and lose to the is like maybe maybe enough to claw their way into the play-in and like land in that seven or eight seed but then the pace they're at they're gonna get smoked in the first round um so they have a little but they're they're gonna need a big run they're gonna need a like a 10 game win streak and to beat some notable teams on that win streak to really perk the in, revive the interest and revive the expectations that this team had on its shoulders said these last two seasons or so where they were a top be, three team. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if they can ascend all the way back up. I don't, I think there'll be a play in team. That's not a hot take, uh, but they are going to be better than they were obviously with job, but I don't think they're going to be that same elite team that they have been for the past couple of years in the regular season, especially with how loaded the Western conference is. So then the other big news, just a couple of days ago, that came through over the holidays after two of the most embarrassing losses we've probably seen in the last decade for the Raptors franchise to a starterless Boston Celtics or almost starterless and then snapping the all-time NBA losing streak record by losing the Detroit Pistons. The Raptors knew time had finally come to make a change and i think Masai got plenty in this deal but maybe not the highest price you've ever seen put out in the market for ogn and obi and they move off of one of the core pieces that has been on this team for the past seven seasons obviously had the appendectomy missed the title run but was still a part of that team for a good chunk of the regular season and the full trade goes OG Ananobi, Precious Achua, and Malachi Flynn over to the New York Knicks for Emmanuel Quickly, RJ Barrett, Canadian, and a second round pick. 
thoughts? It hurts. OG Ananobi has been my favorite Raptor for a long time, and there's almost no price which would have made this pain-free. Um, my first take was to think about the offers and that were being fielded last year. We were hearing like three first-round picks and a serviceable player. Um, the value of those first-round picks, I'm not so sure if it's a team that's trying to win a championship, um, but it sounded like a lot, and it felt like that was what OG was worth. But the more I thought about what those picks would likely turn into and um, looked at what this trade did and how it shifted our roster, the more I warmed to it. I, it, I guess it does seem like a trade that benefits both sides. I think we need a little less size and a little more guard and we get that in both barrett and quickly without downsizing barrett not a dwarf and quickly you can fit almost anywhere malachi and precious fine to give up on uh i do think og ananobi though is the sort of player who raises a team's level to championship and just makes so many game-winning plays it and what as much as I like him as an individual, what's also hard for me to swallow about this trade is because I think that about him, like that was a crucial part to this Raptors team having the success we've been hoping for these past few years. But the way they played last year, even more so the way they're playing this year, it clearly wasn't in the near future. And with the contract looming for Ananobi and Siakam, um, it seems like the right move so my head says yes even if my heart says no i think it also says some interesting things about the raptors future but first i'd like to hear your thoughts on the trade well so now we're officially uh we've officially moved off of any of the assets that were gained in the kyle lowry sign and trade hmm. and brad van vliet left for nothing and so there's a lot of pieces that are gone and I think Masai looked at both of those trades and or both of those key players leaving and said we have to start accum this this is the end of this era for the Toronto Raptors and we have to accumulate the assets that we can try and get younger try and give guys new opportunities and I I actually really like the trade for both sides and again love OG he's been incredible uh both on and off the court here in Toronto, giving us so many special moments with his antics, especially with Serge. But once Nick Nurse left and the team continued to kind of stagnate, that's when you start to look at the leaders of your team. Fred's gone, so not someone you can look at. It, it really has boiled down to OG and Pascal. They've been the two most veteran guys in terms of Toronto core leadership, and they haven't been getting it done. And I think OG was the more palatable asset for a lot of teams. I think Siakam's on the way out at some point later this season as well. But Masai goes and gets RJ Barrett, who was a third overall pick, has not been the most efficient scorer, but I don't think he fit as well into the Knicks. Uh, as as he can in other places and he has now the opportunity to really flourish once pascal's traded uh, he could be a second or third option on this team to score 
And I think the biggest value add that they're going to get out of this trade is Emmanuel quickly. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who, don't want to say this, but is in the same vein of like that Tyrese Maxey type. And look at the step that Tyrese has taken this season. Obviously helps to be playing with Joel Embiid, but he is likely going to be an all-star and has been phenomenal. And quickly has that similar build and shooting ability. Right, he, all, he steps onto this team and is the best shooter on the Raptors. It's plain and simple. Nearly 40% from three. Uh, he's going to have more opportunities to play a two-man game for now with Pascal and Scotty. But moving forward, that IQ-Scotty duo is going to be super efficient and exciting. And I can't wait to see what they are able to do together. Um, just the spacing was really needed. Uh, even Barrett is an upgrade, like, just having more threats of shooting from the outside and so they get a couple of pieces that they can give a shot um ananobi for the knicks is maybe not a home run but it's certainly a triple like it's it's a fantastic move for them rj wasn't fitting in quickly's a, a tough pill to swallow he's beloved in new york but it, it instantly elevates their ceiling as a team and we saw it today playing against the number one team in the Western Conference, Minnesota Timberwolves. OG had multiple defensive impacts, and he just learned the playbook of this team. Now, Edwards went for 35 points. OG fouled out near the end of the game, but he had several key possessions where he shut down Anthony Edwards. And that is just, it means everything to the Knicks because now they have him and they have Josh Hart, who they can throw at the other team's best offensive player. Uh, and and he was able to knock down the open three. He made a lot of off-ball cuts. I think he had four or five dunks in this game, uh, four of them from the dunker spot. Like He ingratiated himself instantly in New York. They were loving it. Uh, just a steal, only a turnover, but I think he had 17 points on 7-12 shooting, uh, and like I said, had an impact defensively that maybe didn't show up on the stat sheet, but was noticeable throughout that game and and if you play defense just like any major city the fans are going to die for you if you play that that hard-nosed defense and so they're gonna love og instantly there it's a big win for both teams theoretically on what it could be and i'm so excited to watch rj and iq play tonight as they are in the starting lineup for the raptors and then already saw the impact that OG could make for the Knicks in their win today over Minnesota. So you think Siakam's out? You like the tricky thing is that Spurs pick, right? Protected up to number six, but the bottom of the league is so bad that it's it's going to be a tough race to guarantee you're in that bottom six. Um, I, and the longer the time goes the less time there is for siakam to make an impact unless a team is confident about getting that extension which i don't know either i i hear what you're saying about the assets and we've lost too much and fred already walked for nothing and not wanting to repeat that but if it doesn't happen in the next week i don't know if we're gonna see it yeah there's i think the likely trade partners that have been rumbling around the league right now would be Golden State, Atlanta, like a Sacramento or Indiana are places that you could see who have some younger assets 
who have a, a wealth of variety in what they could offer as packages. And if you get a first round pick for Siakam in there, then that could be your substitute. If you don't end up getting into the one of those top six spots, you do have a, a pick to use in this year's draft. So again, I love Pascal. I have his jersey. But the the new era is upon us here in Toronto, and we'll see that with the with the first game of IQ and RJ tonight. It's tough. I'm not. They're losing, and this league is so good this season. Um, a lot of teams have taken a step up, and a lot of other teams haven't taken a step back. They're still scrambling, and it's hard to see where the Raptors can fit into this. But fuck, man, the bottom of the league is also so bad. <laughs> like the Pistons, the Wizards, and Hornets are tanking it up. And I don't think we're going to reach that level. Uh, so I'd still rather kind of scramble and fight and claw for that playing chance. I, you never know how much a player talking about wanting to stay is, is just trying to keep the fans endeared, keep that Supermax contract dreams alive. I don't think... Siakam is worth the money he probably wants. And that Scotty first extension is going to hit hard and you want to have some flexibility for that future. Um, so I'm open. I'm not certain we see Siakam out the door, but it does feel good to accept one bitter pill and move on. Yeah, yeah there's more where that came from. I think we're going to see some changes here in Toronto the next year or so. Otherwise, Masai has to start looking in the mirror because it's been a bit of a stretch run here now for the last four years with some questionable transactions ever since the title. And you get about a five-year grace period, and that's about to be up. Mm. All right, finishing up, brief hockey notes here, and then we'll call it a night. Goaltending concerns plaguing the Leafs right now in their last two losses. And oh my the result is Ilya Samsonov allowing nine goals against Buffalo last time out. Uh, and then I believe lets in six in the overtime loss to Columbus. I think he Heads. let in six or five before he got pulled against Buffalo. It was six against Columbus on 19 shots, by the way. And just brutal goals. Like, yeah. there's no confidence right now in front of him. He heads down through waivers, doesn't get claimed, which I was surprised about. Teams love claiming Toronto players off waivers. <laughs> it's kind of an inside joke in the league. That's how bad he's been. Yeah, and on they a do decent call up, size contract too. Yeah, they call up the Hilda Beast, Dennis Hillaby from the Marlies. We'll see if he actually ends up getting into games. I think he will with Martin Jones. You probably don't want to play him every game at, at his stage in his career. So we will get to see the six foot seven Dennis Hildeby. And I think fans are going to be really excited. We'll see what he can offer at the NHL level. But I think anything's a boost right now with Samsonov just in terms of yeah. confidence. That the team Columbus playing game was absolutely brutal. When you score five goals, allow 19 shots and still lose, it's unacceptable. Have to give one final shout out here to the PWHL kicking off today. Uh, loss for Toronto, but Ottawa setting an attendance record for tomorrow night's game. And a happy new year to everyone. Thanks so much for listening. It would have looked so bad if we got cut off talking about women's hockey. Thanks for everyone for listening at Sports Next Door. Signing out. You get to the station, there's this crazy sound. Hey man, this ain't no fishing town. Yeah, they're fishing, but that ain't all.